we could say it in a little bit more technical sense that he is the culmination, if you will, of God's revelatory initiative towards humanity. But in simpler terms, we could say this, that, that, that all God is and all that God has up to this point revealed about himself, all that God is, is, is revealed in Christ, in Jesus. And so he's described here as being the radiance of God's glory and the repre- representation, if you will, of his being. Jesus is the last word. And there's no better word of encouragement when we're struggling with doubt, when we're struggling with the need for reassurance, when, we're, when, we're, when, we feel like, when you feel like giving up. How many, how many of you at some point may last year have felt just for a moment maybe like, like just like throwing in a towel, like giving up? You know what I'm talking about? But there's no greater reassurance in those situations than to, to, to realize and to remember that Jesus is the Son of God through whom God has spoken to us concerning his intentions for us and his purposes and his promises towards us. And so no matter what circumstances say, God has spoken, and he has the last word, and the last word is Jesus. No matter what your friends or your family members say, God has spoken, and the last word is Jesus, right? No no matter what CNN says, God has spoken, and the last final word is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. No matter what your mind or your emotions or your feelings or your experiences say, God has spoken, and the last word is Jesus. And so, you, you know how we do. We try, to, we try to build each other up and fortify each other in, 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 in very cleverly, humanly devised ways, right? You know, some helpful, some not so much, right? So, you know, tell people, oh, don't be sad. Don't you hate it when you tell somebody how you feel? Well, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, this is how I feel. I can't help it, right? We get, we get, we get, we wax poetic. This too shall pass. Or if you're, if you're a George Harrison fan, all things must pass, right? Uh, you know, we, we get, we get, we can get, we can get all Chuck Swindoll on you. You know, t- tough times don't last, but tough people do, you know. Until people tell you to keep your chin up, whatever that means, you know. Well, I heard someone put it like this. They said, keep your eye on the ball, your shoulder to the wheel, your nose to the grindstone, your feet to the ground, your head on your shoulders. Now try and get something done. But really, epithets and, and, and maxims and aphorisms and anecdotes and all these clever little things we say, and even some of the Christian jargon that we rely on, some of the, uh, the Christian cliches that we, that we so casually bandy about, none of those really sustain you in the middle of the night when your heart is gripped with fear, right? How, can you talk to me, right? When your world is falling apart around you and you're wondering if, if you, you really can make it, when you feel like giving up and going back to what in your estim- estimation has worked for you in the past. But hear me this morning, what God says is this, I have spoken to you in the person of my son Jesus, and what I've said to you is this, I have loved you, I have a plan for your life, I have a purpose for you, I have, you know, I've secured your eternal future, and I've given you a hope beyond anything this life has to offer. And I'm giving you my peace and my joy to sustain you through the presence of my spirit on the inside of you. He says... This is my beloved son, Jesus. Hear what he's saying to you. Listen not only to his words, but listen to his life, his testimony. But then we have to do our part, right? So we have to get up off of our royal rusty dusties. (laughs) 
and search the scriptures and remind ourselves just what it is that he has said to us because that's where our strength is. That's where our encouragement is. That's where the fortification for our lives is. And so we would really do well to embrace the words of 2 Corinthians 1.20 where the Apostle Paul writes this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. But we also have to go back and review our history. We may, some of us may need to become re-anchored in community and, and hear afresh the stories of our brothers and sisters, the testimonies, and be reminded of the faithfulness of God as it's been demonstrated and exhibited in the lives of other people around us. But sometimes when we withdraw from fellowship, from community, we don't hear those voices. We need to hear from others how God has sustained them and upheld them. So, Toward the end of this letter, toward the end of the epistle to the Hebrews, after having explored with his readers the superiority of Christ, the author provides further impetus for his readers, these stressed-out, weary Jewish Christians, to hold on and to not revert back to Jewish legalism and ceremonialism. So then he tells them to hold on, realizing that the content of Christ as the, as the last word in God's revelation has become embodied in community and the history of the faith community. So listen to what he writes in chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. In fact, let's read it together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. There are three questions we need to ask ourselves this morning about this text that we just read. Number one, who are these witnesses? Number two, what was their story or what is their story? And number three, how does their story speak to us? So the first question, who are these witnesses? We see in the beginning of this passage we just read the word therefore, and it, it harkens back to chapter 11. And so the therefore, the, 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 the people that, the witnesses that we're talking about in this passage are, are the, who we would describe as the faithful. Now, there are such people that we could call faithless, right? They're the backsliders and the quitters, but they don't really have much to con- contribute to this discussion. They don't form this great cloud of witnesses that the writer is talking about. Who are these witnesses? And I'll tell you who these witnesses are. They are the people of God throughout the ages who, despite persecution, difficulty, trials, and tribulations, held firm to their faith and lived for God with passion and purpose. Let me say that again, and it's on the board before you. The people of God throughout the ages who, despite difficulty, persecution, and tribulations, held firm to their faith and lived for God with passion and purpose. Those are the witnesses that he's talking about. And there's a very exhaustive list in chapter 11 of these witnesses. I'll just name a few here. People like Noah. Took 120 years to build an ark. If that was me, I would have given up. I mean, sometimes for us, taking 20 minutes to put together something from Ikea is too much stress. (laughs) There was Abraham who was called 
to follow God into a land that he's totally unfamiliar with this, and he's promised with a child in his old age. And, you know, for me, I probably would have just stayed at the house and I, I might not have ventured out. But we see his faith and his obedience to God. There's, there's Joseph who was falsely accused and imprisoned. And I, it was me. If my brothers had treated me like that, I would have been mad. I would have got back at him. And Joseph, at the end of his story, says, you know what? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And even guys like Samson's in that list, who, though he was somewhat unhinged in much of his life, he still in some way demonstrated what this is all about. And there are, some, there are many who triumph, but there are some in this list who on one level to us appear to be losers. But despite all appearances to the contrary, they were all winners, they were all victorious because they believed God and they demonstrated their belief through this one word, and the word is perseverance. But there's a sense in which this list continues beyond Hebrews 11. Because uh, I, I, I believe that the pool of witnesses continues to grow with every generation of faithful followers of Christ. And I believe that it should be your goal and my goal to be included in this list of those who have overcome by their faith. So who are these witnesses? They are the people of God who throughout the ages... Despite difficulty and persecution, trials and tribulations, they held firm to their faith and lived for God with passion and purpose. Number two, what is their story? And we could take a closer look at that. And their, their story reminds me of, overall, you know, we look at the, the sum total of what he, the writer says about them in chapter 11 as he describes them, many who triumphed and who uh, were victorious and who were outwardly successful and others who were not as outwardly successful, and others who, who were given over to persecution and, and other forms of mistreatment. And it reminds me something of the book of Daniel, the three Hebrew boys, remember them? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And, 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 and their, 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 their stance or their, their, their disposition was this. We know that our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we believe in him and we ain't going nowhere. It's kind of like you or I saying, I, I know God is able to supply all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But even when, if I find myself down on my luck, so to speak, if I find myself broke, if I've got an empty pocket, I'm still not going to turn my back on my Redeemer. I, I believe that God, I believe that Jesus is our healer. But even if I find myself on a sickbed, I'm not going to turn my back. I'm going to keep on believing, keep on trusting, keep on doing the right thing I know to do. They said, we know our God is able to deliver us, but even if he chooses not to, we believe in him and we're not going to bend our knee to Baal. So these witnesses, their, their life situations and their stories are diverse and they, it spans centuries, but each of their stories holds this one thing in common. Something about each one of their lives bears witness to the fact that they believed in and trusted God. And it seems that these members of the Faith Hall of Fame demonstrated their trust not with lip service, but through the blood, sweat, and tears of an unshakable commitment and dogged perseverance. Their common story is that they heard the voice of God, they believed Him, and they kept on striving, they kept on pushing toward that prize no matter what. They kept on running the race no matter what obstacles they faced. And as we embark upon this new year and all of the wonderful opportunities that it presents and all of the challenges that we may face, we're, and we're actually walking into a new decade, we might do well to 
examine our lives. As we go to this table this morning, we, we, it's incumbent upon us to, to take a look at ourselves, to examine our lives, and, and, and to look at our, our, our choices and our decisions. And to ask yourself this, what did your life look like the last year? What, what does the, this latest chapter in your life story reveal about your deeply held beliefs? Because you know, Everett, there's no way that one of us in here, if I ask you, I said, do you believe in Jesus? Do you, do you believe that God is able? Do you believe that God is, 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 is faithful? We say, yes, praise the Lord, I believe that. But you know what? The, the degree to which that is really true, the, the degree to which that is real in our lives is revealed by how we have lived our lives and the choices we've made and the way we've responded to the grace of, of, of God. And so the question is, has your faith enabled you to, in the words of the, the King James on this thing, in chapter 11, has your, has, has, has your faith enabled you to obtain a good report like the elders did? Has your faith been something that you might be commended for, in the words of the NIV? Or do you find yourself shrinking back in your commitment when times get tough, when you're tested or tempted? We hear their story and it's plain to us. We know from the pages of Scripture the story of the faithful who persevered in Christ no matter what. But what is your story? And then number three, how does their story speak to us? The writer of Hebrews wants to, his readers to realize that there are those who have gone before them whose lives bear witness to the fact that they can make it. He wants his readers to face the facts that the race is a tough one. It's a time, times arduous. There's going to be discipline involved and it's going to require a singular focus. Your eyes fixed on Jesus and if they're going to make it. But he also wants to reassure them of this, that it is a winnable race. What God calls us to and what he asks us to do and the life he asks, he calls us to live, it's doable, it's winnable. And I get the sense that it's going to require something. And allow me to digress to what, I, what things I heard in my childhood. You see, you do that a lot. Well, it's because I heard some good things and some bad things, most more good than bad. But I used to hear people talk about a made-up mind. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We don't seem to know much about that anymore. I, I remember one of the first choirs on and this is, this is January of 2020, and so this, starting this, this, this year marks 50 years that I have been a church musician. And, uh, and, and, um, and, uh, and, and when I started playing keys at West Adams Four Square Church in January of 1970, when my mama took me there so I could have some opportunity to do something in church rather than be in the bigger church we were in, uh, I remember one of the first songs I learned, and it was by the L.A. Community Choir, Harrison Johnson. And the song said this, the road is rough and the going gets tough and the hills are hard to climb. But the songwriter said, I started out a long time ago and there is no doubt in my mind, I've decided to make Jesus my choice. It's going to take that kind of commitment, realizing the challenges and the difficulties, realizing that sometimes the hills will be hard to climb, that sometimes you will get tired, that sometimes the challenges will seem like too much. But the songwriter said, I started out a long time ago, and I and nothing changed here. I made a commitment, and, and there's been no renegotiation of my deal. I have decided to make Jesus my choice, and that's a done deal. 
remember this community that, that, that the writer is describing of, of faithful witnesses is not just those up to the first century, not just those up to the time of him penning this, this epistle. But it really, in a real sense, encompasses those all the way throughout the ages up till now. So listen, listen, listen. My story, your story. Your mama's story, your, your daddy's story, your, your grandmother or grandfather's story, they're all a part of this legacy and together they testify to us. I know that some of us say that not everybody in my family, maybe nobody in my family, but for some of us, we had somebody that we could look to that showed us how to live and showed us that we could live faithfully before God, that we could make it, that we could make it all the way to the finish line, that we could run the race with patience and win. And so how does their story speak to us? It reminds us that there are those who've gone before us whose lives bear witness to the fact that we can make it. Turn to your neighbor and say, we can make it. Tell them back personally, say, you can make it. In other words, it goes like this, folks. You don't have to give up. When times get tough, you don't have to quit. You can overcome doubt in your life. You can overcome sin in your life. You can rise above the pain of your childhood. You can find healing amidst the brokenness of of ruined relationships, rejection, and the aftermath of abuse and trauma in your life. Child of God, you are not a victim, but you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, how are we to respond? As we enter 2020... I think the call for each of us is, is, is to acknowledge that the race is difficult. If it were easy, there wouldn't be all this coaching that's provided for us, right? And it will require, in the words of the writer in chapter 12, some appropriate sacrifice. Cast off sin and lay aside weights. I recall when I first started riding bicycles, I was, I was heavier and, and out of shape. And I'm not out of shape anymore. But I was, I, it was, it was, I, I remember, and, and I developed habits in riding that I've still, I just never carried extra stuff, because I was trying to keep up with the people I was riding with, so I just never carried extra stuff. I had a pretty, I, I had a mountain bike, then I went to a road bike, and, and I realized, now if, at some point I realized, too, you know, I, they tell cyclists, you know, so, you know, they're, you, they're looking at how many ounces or how many grams are your pedals and your, 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 your all the things, you know, but then I found out, wow, if you lose like 10 or 15 pounds on your body, that really helps. <laughs> But, but I, 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 I came to understand the importance of, laying, of, of not carrying excessive things if I wanted to go fast and go hard and go all the way. I remember the first, I did this, this, this ride, uh, this 32-mile bike ride. That was a big, big achievement for me as a middle-aged guy who, had, who was relatively out of shape at the time. And I remember you, you, I didn't put anything in that little bag under my seat that, that, that I didn't need. I had only that which I needed, a bottle of water and a, some, some uh, Stuff for fix the tires, and that was about it, right? I, you know, and it's like when and uh, my other failed hobby. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, when I was as a private pilot, one of the one of the crucial things about flying is, especially small, well, for all planes, but for, for small planes, is really is is weight and balance. And like for Cessna 150 or 152. If I were 200 pounds, I could not fly that plane with another 200-pound person because you, you have, you, that plane can only take so much. Sometimes you have to offload some weight. Sometimes you have to lay aside some weight. I say all that to say that. And so, listen, 
sometimes we're going to have to we're going to have to cast off some sin in our lives. We're going to have to lay aside some weight. You know, in fact, looking back to 2019, you know, we could. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go all Dr. Phil on y'all this morning. And then my best Dr. Phil Texas draw, look back at your, I got to get in and out of it. <laughs> look, but, <laughs> I can't stay there because it's like, but, but, but I mean, look back across your life and, and, and think about your responses and some of the things that you did and some of the ways that you responded to life and some of the ways that you lived out your faith or didn't live out your faith and ask yourself this question, how's that working out for you? Really? Because, see, there, there's some weight, there's some baggage, there's some habits, some, some traits you've allowed to develop in your character. There's some, some uncrucified, undealt with, unrepented of sin. Hello? So, so there, some, I, I know these aren't popular words, but these are biblical words. Some wickedness that we've become all too comfortable with over the past year, maybe. And some of us have let go of our, our spiritual disciplines, and we've, I'm telling you what, we've replaced the good book with Facebook. And I'm going to stop on that right there. (laughs) And it may be that we found ourselves, as we ran our race, drifting further and further off course, or we may have stopped along the wayside to to take a break, and we never got back up and got back in the race. And and, and so I want to ask you concerning all the things that have infiltrated your life, all the things that have sidelined you, that have distracted you, I want to ask you about all the weights that have, 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 have... landed on your shoulders that are constricting you and, 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 and serving as encumbrances to you, how's that working out for you? Did you find more peace, more joy, more contentment, more fulfillment? You see, we got to step back and take inventory. Has this thing or that thing enabled you to grow closer to Christ? Or has it hindered your walk? Let's be honest with ourselves this morning and honest with God. Has that practice, that mindset, has it strengthened you? Has it built your faith? Has it increased your endurance? Because the writer's saying, listen, there are things, there's sin, and then there's things he calls weights, and they're not categorically sin, but they're Things in our lives that will keep us from becoming the person God wants us to be. Even Paul said that not all things are, I mean, all things are, are, are lawful in one sense, but all things are not expedient. And there are things that are legal now that aren't necessarily in the best interest of your mental health and your spiritual health. Pause for effect. Some stuff may seem harmless and innocent and innocuous, but it will rob you of your joy. And I don't know about you, but I need all the joy I can get. I need all the peace that God has for me because in this, in this turbulent world, man, there's so many things that want to steal that. But there, there's some things that just innocently will do that. Some stuff seems harmless, but it will hold you, it will slow you down and hold you back. And so here's, here's my challenge to us this we must take inventory as we transition into this new year, as we come before the Lord's table this morning to remember his death and, and, and to, to reflect on his sacrifice for us. 
We, we've, got, we've got to refocus, folks. We've got to, we've got to run this race this year with a made-up mind, with, a, with, a, with our eye, a singular focus on the one goal. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, the author and the finisher of our faith. And so the testimony of those who have gone before us shouts out to us, you can make it. How many of you want to make it to the finish line? How many of you want to run well? How many of you want to finish strong? So let's take a moment and reflect. Again, we're called to run. We're called to persevere to the finish line. We're surrounded by uh, the stories of multitudes of witnesses who've gone before us, who've shown us not only that it can be done, but how it's done. What what do you need to leave behind as you enter into this new year? What do you need to jettison? What, what do you need to let go of? What do you need to relinquish? What do you need to, what do you need to forsake? How can you lighten your load so that you can run into this new year and, and on down through this, this new decade? You can take your place among the faithful who, who've gone before us and who've, who've shown us what it looks like to make it all the way to the finish line. What, what choices do you need to make? What changes do you need to make? What do you need to let go? What do you need to embrace? And I trust that the Holy Spirit will make that plain to each one of us as we open our hearts to him and allow him to speak to us this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.